to episode 40 of the While She Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we're talking about online learning with the team at Creative Bug. My guests are Leanna Alday, the senior editor at Creative Bug, and Kelly Wilkinson, the editorial director. Leanna, Kelly, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hi, Abby. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I want to hear the story of Creative Bug and what makes it unique on the market, but First, let's back up a little bit and hear about each of you. So Kelly, you grew up in Virginia and went to the University of Vermont where you got a degree in anthropology. Did you take a lot of art classes as a kid and while you were, you know, in college, while you were getting your education? I, I definitely had a very creative upbringing in, in Virginia. Um, my parents renovated a barn out in uh, a rural part of Virginia. And there was very, very much a work in progress when we were growing up. We um, had forts that stayed up for weeks and rolled back all of the rugs and had our friends over to go roller skating. And um, my mom was in really and is still incredibly talented and creative and can paint and sing and draw. And, um, and so I grew up with that being very normal. I didn't realize how... Um, fortunate I was to to grow up really absorbing all of that until until later. So, um, I mean, that was just really part of my my everyday life. It wasn't as if that was something you did when you found the time or when you um, you know kind of committed yourself to being artistic or creative. That was just very much part of the everyday for me. That's awesome. That sounds like a great upbringing. Um, so after graduation, um, you spent a bunch of years working in public radio at KQED in San Francisco. And I was wondering what you did there and what it was like to work in public radio. It was terrific to work in public radio. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's the, a bit the same at Creative Bug where when you tell people what you do, people have so much goodwill and sort of love for, for the brand. Um, but that is that is enormously evident when you're working um, within public radio. So I started in print and then I found my way over to radio and I worked as a reporter and then an anchor um, at KQED, which is the affiliate here in San Francisco. Um, and it was great. I mean, it's really a job it turns out I, I sort of like deadlines and adrenaline. And, um, when I was anchoring toward the end of my time there, I was, um, you know, you're on, you're, you're anchoring newscasts on the half hour hour. And, um, you know, there is nothing more final than that on air light going on and you have to be ready or if you're not ready, you have to wing it. And, um, it, it turns out, I think there's so many things that, that I learned so many skills that are transferable to anything else once you're trained in that kind of, um, in, in that daily grind of journalism. But, um, it's terrific. I mean, you're really, it's a job where you're paid to go out and meet people and ask them questions and learn stuff and tell people about it. So it was, it was great. That was, um, I did that for a while and, and I still, I'm a big NPR listener and I, I get a little, you know, twinge when I hear those newscasts. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. That's really cool. Have you been listening to cereal? Oh yes. Don't yeah. Have- I Don't know. tell me what happens. I haven't heard today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give you the spoiler, but I did just finish listening to the last episode. Yeah. Um, all right. So you were also like a craft designer and blogger for a number of years, right? Your, your blog was Make, Grow, Gather. That's right. Yes. I had, um, I had this really sort of bizarre, um, I don't know, a little bit schizophrenic life for a while because I, I had that whole creative upbringing and then I went into journalism. My dad was actually a journalist and, um, and I loved writing. And, and so I think for, for some of those reasons I got into journalism, but it never felt quite creative enough or creative in a way that was very satisfying to me in the long run. So I would work in journalism and then I would quit and I did all of these just bizarre things when I would kind of get fed up and, um, I worked in a jewelry design studio and then I would swing back to journalism and work as a reporter again and then quit and worked in a knitting design studio, had a line of aprons. I mean, I just was sort of swinging wildly between, um, journalism, 
because there were so many aspects of it that I really loved and something that was more, um, more creative and just something that I felt I had more control over. And then, um, I am a book lover and wound up pitching a book to Melanie Fallick, who I know you've had on your show. Um, and I spent time in bookstores looking at all of the books that I loved and kept seeing, um, STC and Melanie Fallick on the, on the spines of the ones that I loved the most and the way that people wrote about her and the acknowledgements, just that you, I could tell how much, um, of a, of a presence she was for people and, and really helping people mold their books and bring them into, into existence. Um, little did I know at the time that Liana was there working with Melanie. <laughs> um, and so Melanie, um, I, I pitched her a proposal. She wrote me back and said, I really, I, I like these ideas, but no one has any idea who you are. And that's of course, increasingly important in this world if you want to sell any books. And so she encouraged me to start a blog and I did that, um, for a couple, few years. I mean, I really, I, I kept that up pretty religiously and then, got the book deal, worked with Melanie, um, wrote the book and that came out. It was called weekend handmade. And then I spent a while promoting that, you know, as soon as it comes out and I loved that whole experience. I mean, it was really what I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I love also, I think because of my journalism background, I love working with editors and people who do push you beyond what, um, what your first ideas are, what your first instincts are. Um, and then when that, when that was sort of wrapped up or at least the kind of initial promotion of the book, I was really struggling to, to figure out where I was going to kind of put what I was going to do with all of that kind of energy and that ideas. And, um, I feel like this whole part of my brain that had been turned on in a way that it hadn't been before. Um, and it was pretty much right then that Jean Lewis, um, wrote me and she is the founder of creative bugs. So I met her for coffee and, um, I mean, long story short, really took the job here. I was thinking I could continue to do public radio part-time and we're here part-time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it became so evident so quickly how fast this place is moving. And I would, you know, only go a week. I'd met, meet John for a coffee and meet her the following week. And so much had changed. And, um, and I'm a really kind of all in person. So I wound up, um, doing this full time and, and jumping in with creative bug. And it really has been, I mean, I'm so lucky because it's really pulled all of these very disparate parts of my life that I, I spent, you know, was, was, was confusing for a little while in terms of how I was going to make all of this make sense. Um, and it really pulls on even the radio editing. I mean, working with the stories that we do here in the, the biographical pieces that we do on our artists. Um, it's really pulled it all into one place. So it's been, it's been in, incredibly lucky for me and, and a really great whole ride. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It brings together all of your different um, training and talents and passions. It's really kind of, um, it, it's so lucky, you know, like it, it's a sort of is the, the, the best job it seems like, it um, for, for what you come with. So your book, so weekend handmade came out in 2011. How did you know Jean? I did not know Jean. <laughs> so how did she come to email you? So Jean, this is a, so Jean was working as, um, an art director, a multimedia art director at time Inc here in San Francisco. And she was, she had been in New York for them and they moved her out to San Francisco, but she was sitting where she worked in the office. She was on the sales floor. So she was the only sort of creative art director in the midst of all these, um, their whole sales team here. And she, her story was that Jean, um, in college was a ceramics minor. And when she lived in New York, she had uh, a studio that she would go to and she would, um, she would do ceramics after work. And then she moved to San Francisco had a family, worked at time, um, and could not find the time to commit to classes that were on set days of the week. And, um, and so she had this idea to, she used lynda.com, which I don't know if, um, if all of your listeners will be aware of, but it's lynda.com. And it's an online subscription site where you can learn everything from Photoshop to coding, um, to photography. And so she used that a lot for her work. And she had this, um, kind of dream that she would love to create something that was Linda meets Etsy because 
she was creative but couldn't find the time to take classes and loved the the model that was Linda, where you subscribe to something and you have access to every kind of class. And so someone on her on that sales floor knew that she was creative and gave her a copy of my book. She wound up, she's a friend of my sister's. Um, yeah, very kind of, yeah. Um, and so she gave Jean a copy of my book when Jean was secretly working on creative bug kind of at night and mulling this over and could this be a reality? And, um, and so then when she wound up quitting her job and pursuing creative bug, she went back to Monica, this friend of hers, who's a friend of my sister's and said, who, who's Kelly Wilkinson, you know, that book that you gave me, can you put me in touch? So I got this voicemail from Jean who I had, you know, had no idea that it was coming and, um, said that she was up to something and she'd love to tell me about it. And it turns out we live so close to each other in San Francisco. So we met at my local coffee shop and, she had an iPad and was showing me just the bare bones of what creative bug. Um, I mean, it was nothing had been, or she had shot one thing, but, um, I mean, the site was still so in its infancy and, um, and so, yeah, I, and I, as soon as I saw it, I, I, I loved the idea. Absolutely loved the idea. So that is so interesting. I love the analogy of um, Linda meets Etsy. That's really, I haven't hadn't heard that before and that's terrific. And I actually, I love lynda.com too. I love the idea of getting a subscription and having access to everything. Um, I learned how to make my podcast by watching oh, lynda.com uh, class. So on GarageBand, yep. So yeah, yeah it's, it's video is so powerful that way. Um, I knew I wouldn't be able to learn how to do this uh, in, a, in any other way. I needed that. So, um, all right. So, so now you're editorial director. Um, and I just wondered what that means. Like, what is, what does that job entail? Sure. Uh, and it has evolved a bit since I first started. Um, when I started, there were six of us here. So it was really, we were all, despite having these tidy kind of job descriptions, we were doing absolutely everything. Um, but what I, what I was mostly doing and, and what I still do, but now work with Leanna to do that is figure out who, who we want to have on the site, what we want them to teach and how we want them to teach it. Um, so it's going after all of the artists and designers that we work with and approaching them and explaining what it is that we do. And then working up how, um, you know, structuring once we land on the projects that we want to teach or a topic, figuring out what kind of what project or how do we structure the classes to best relay all of that information. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, generally speaking, it's, it's all of the content on right, the site. Right. It's like the meat of the site. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. That's really cool. And I, I will get into in a little while about sort of what you look for in a project and what you look for in an instructor. Cause I think that that's, um, I, I think that that's sort of mysterious and I'd love to hear more about it, but, um, First, I want to just turn to you, Lana, and get a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Thousand Oaks, California, in Southern California. Okay. And um, I know you also had a creative mom, like Kelly did, who um, sewed dresses for you. And I hear that you still wear a dress that she made for you when you were a kid. Is that possibly true? Oh, I do. In fact, I think I wore it sometime in the last year. Yes. We've all seen it. Red gingham with her Our Lady Bug Buttons. I might need to cut those off pretty soon. (laughs) I'm the Lady Bug Buttons. (laughs) That is amazing. How old were you when she made it for you? Uh, 15, actually. (laughs) Don't ask me how old I am now. (laughs) Wow. 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 Okay. That's, that is a really cool thing. Um, (laughs) I'm impressed. So, okay. So you went to UCLA and majored in English and, uh, what did you do after college? I hear there was a year or so when you were writing home and garden themed horoscopes. Oh yes. Well, that was an interesting, uh, passage. Um, no, actually I moved up to San Francisco right after college and, um, during the dot-com boom, I had a job up here that lasted for not very long before, uh, the rug got pulled out from underneath it. And, um, but it was, it was very interesting. I, it kind of forced my hand to get into actually science textbook publishing, which is as dry as it sounds. (laughs) Uh, it was really not my thing, but it gave me, I, I think I worked there for five or six years and, um, really learned the book industry there. And so it was a great experience. Um, but I decided to quit that job kind of a little bit impulsively. Um, 
And in fact, actually, right after I learned how to knit, and I'd been hanging out at my neighborhood knitting shop a lot, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work part time and be a freelance writer, and uh, you know, work at this yarn shop so I could get a discount on the yarn and really learn that craft. And it was actually while I was there, I, I was doing the um, home and garden horoscopes. <laughs> You do what you have to do. (laughs) And, um, but it was while I was there that I really fell in love with, um, SDC craft books and, you know, and I'd spend all my lunch breaks, you know, sitting in the back room, looking at all the books. And that was actually my joke with, uh, my friends is that if I ever got back into publishing, I, uh, what I wanted to do was work on knitting books. And, um, very ironically or not ironically, I guess, total twist of fate. Um, I had decided to quit and move to New York, uh, you know, cause you don't earn that much money working at a yarn shop and writing home and garden horoscopes. And I needed to get a job and, um, I had decided I'm moving to New York. I'm getting back into publishing. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm moving. And I think it was two weeks before I left that I was, um, in the yarn shop and I was working with, um, a customer helping her learn how to knit something. And she said, Oh, you know, actually I work at, I'm the publisher at SDC in New York. Oh my and I said, I said, SDC craft. And she said, yeah. And I said to her, well, I've never done this before, but, um, I'm actually an editor and I'm moving to New York in two weeks and I obviously knit and can I have a job? <laughs> That's terrific. Go and you. Right after I arrived in New York, um, she set me up with an interview with Melanie and that's how I, that's how I started working at STC craft. And I was there for seven years. So that was my entree into the craft world. That's an amazing story. And were you there when Kelly's book was pitched? Yeah. Okay. So, but you were not, you, you didn't acquire her book. No, I were, I did not actually work with Kelly. I mean, hardly at all. Yeah on that book, but I did, um, you know, I, I think we spoke to each other a couple of times or had a couple of emails. And when creative bug started, I immediately pegged it as like, okay, this is my next step. <laughs> okay, cool. So how did it become your next step? I reached out to Kelly uh-huh. <laughs> and said like, this is, I, I really want to do this. Well, you know, my whole family is out here in San Francisco. Oh, and I had been thinking for some time, you know, I love New York. New York is awesome, but it's not, it's not my home and my whole family's here. And I'd been thinking, what am I going to do to get back to the West coast? And, you know, it's, it's such a gift when you find your profession, you find your niche in the world. And, and I felt so blessed to have found the craft book industry and, you know, that I'm really good at it. And this is like my home. These are my people. And I know how to make a beautiful book, but that's a very narrow market. <laughs> there are not, there are not a lot of places where you can do that. And, um, and you know, especially outside of New York. And so when I saw that creative bug was in San Francisco and that I knew Kelly tangentially and it was like, okay, this just feels like it's the right thing. And, um, the first interaction we had was so positive. It was like, okay, yeah, these are my people. Uh (laughs) Yes, totally. And it was, you know, it took some time really because you guys, um, I mean, just didn't have the, the wherewithal really to bring in new people. Right. Yeah. We were, we were stretched and I mean, we still are, I think it's the nature of just still being small, but, um, we were stretched really thin, but Leanna had written me and when she said she was moving here, um, I also knew she was interviewing at a few other places and I just, I knew it would break my heart (laughs) if if I couldn't get her here. So, um, yeah, I think our first exchange went, would you ever need somebody like me? And Kelly wrote back all caps. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny how like sometimes you're almost too busy, like you're so busy that you desperately need help, but you're almost too busy to even get help. You know, like you're almost too busy to even bring somebody new on because it's like having to stop what you're doing and to, to find that person and interview them and then train them and bring them in. It's like, that's a whole job in and of itself. And you know, it's funny how that works. Um, Having been here for a year now, um, I cannot even fathom how Kelly did this job without any, any other editorial support. It's, it's really a lot. 
Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, so, so Leanna, you are also, um, uh, a blogger. You have a blog, Knit Yourself Pretty. It hasn't been updated in a while, but it's still there. And you, um, you spent some time also selling some handmade bags on Etsy. So tell me just a little bit about those years, you know, kind of as an independent maker. Is that when you were working at the yarn shop? No, that was actually while I was at SDC Craft. Oh, okay. And, um, I, I actually loved keeping the blog. I stopped at a certain point, you know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta draw a line somewhere, um, when it's run its course. But, um, I actually started keeping the blog mostly as a creative practice, um, kind of not really knowing how many people were coming or who was coming, you know, you just kind of every now and then would get comments and it's fun. And, um, I, I always like to think of, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, um, wet, hot American summer. I know it's not weird. Um, there's like this kid throughout the movie that, <clears throat> that is DJing and at the very, he's like, you know, at camp and he's got his headphones on and he's doing like this whole radio show thing throughout the movie. And at the end of the movie, you realize that his equipment actually isn't plugged into anything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's just been doing it for fun. <laughs> and I, I always like to think of that when I was writing my blog, like, I don't know if anybody's reading this or if they're getting anything out of it, but I'm enjoying the process of writing it. And, you know, making the projects and taking the pictures and telling a story. And, um, you know, so for me, it was, it was writing practice and craft practice. And I actually think I really learned a lot during that period of time, um, like really honed my craft in a way that I wouldn't have. And that was really fun. And it, I, same thing with the Etsy shop. I just thought, you know, this would be a fun way to engage with the craft audience and see, you know, who knows, maybe I'll be the next Bagu or something. Oh, right. <laughs> Turns out I wasn't. <laughs> but she does teach a great bag class on Creative Bug. I do. I do. That's right. Yeah. That, that class looks gorgeous. The leather bag class. Oh, yeah. thank you. Oh, that was really fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited about that one. So, so now you're senior editor at Creative Bug. So tell me about what that job is. Um, it is a lot of what Kelly was describing before, um, you know, identifying, um, the talent that we want to work with and, you know, talking through the editorial schedule for the year, what's, you know, the highest priority. Um, and I'm typically the first point of contact. So reaching out to them, setting up that first phone call, explaining who we are, brainstorming ideas and, um, really getting it all kind of lined up, you know, everything from the kind of dry contract negotiation to the more fun, um, you know, picking out fabrics and, and yarn colors and things like that. And just making sure it's a nice polished package before we hand it over to the production team to, you know, actually shoot it. Yeah. Yes. So in some ways it's, it's similar to what you were doing in STC as far as, you mm-hmm. know, acquisitions and then refining an idea and all of those things. That's interesting. It's almost like, um, it's almost like this video platform is, is like the new craft publishing in a certain way. Totally. But you know, it's a little bit scarier even, I think, because in publishing books, if, you know, if there's a typo or if you forget something, you can change the text you know, you can tell the graphic designer, adjust the wording or, you know, sneak it in in a reprint. And with video, it's like you have one shot to get it right. And if anything goes wrong, you know, you kind of have to, you have to get real creative. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're going to fix it. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. In some ways, I would think it would be the opposite. Because I guess to me, I would be like, well, you can always just shoot another take. Oh, right. We, which we do, which we definitely do when we're in production here. Um, we shoot many takes for many different reasons, but if everyone's gone home and we realize, mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Poker, right. You yeah. can't then go back cause you only have what you have to work with. Right. Correct. Exactly. I see. Yeah. 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 Okay, that makes sense. It said a half an inch, but actually it was a quarter inch, yes. you know, that kind of thing where you're like, Oh, right. <laughs> and you can't really like overdub. 
<laughs> yeah, that's hard. Okay, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, so, so since both of you are sort of working in this, um, you know, finding the talent and working with the talent to choose the right project for a class. So, um, so now let's go back to that idea of like, what is an ideal creative bug class, and who is the ideal instructor? Like, what are you looking for when you're either online looking for projects, or I don't know if people pitch projects or you know pitch classes to you. What is it that you see in your like that would that would work that one or she would work or you know he would be the perfect guy or or whatever Hmm. i i think it's a combination of things sometimes we will see a project that we absolutely love and um just is so different and beautiful and there's a lot to teach within a project um but but mostly i would say it's it's driven um well, it's and and this has actually changed over the course of the time that we've been here because when I started, I Jean had some people that she had reached out to already who that she was filming with, um, and then I knew from working with STC and knowing people personally and professionally, I had my kind of dream list that I worked down um, and and encouraged people to to come teach on the site. Um, and now it's really, you know, I, I have to admit, I mean, when we first launched, it was really um, catch as catch can a little bit because we were, we were, you know, yes, terrific, Anna Maria, we would love to work with you. We're going to be in Nashville in a month. And, you know, it was, we just didn't have the time or the resources that we do now to spend as much time developing a lot of the projects and really working with people. Um, on the pre-production side, that has really been a, a big change um, and one that I'm so thankful for um, to have Leanna here and to have us just have figured out more, you know, what makes a great class. And, and so much of that requires um, a lot of work and planning before anyone is even here or the camera's rolling at all. Um, and so now Leanna and I really um, regularly work up areas that we know we want to cover and add to the site. And that could be some things that are, we feel are missing on the site or things that um, we want people to feel there's somewhere else for them to grow if they've come on and taken a class with us. And so we have, uh, you know, a huge document that we work off of and, and um, meet over regularly that is driven by what do we want to have on the site and then who would be the best, the best fit to teach this and in terms of an instructor, I mean, it's a real sweet spot of we're looking for people who have, you know, great expertise and really know their stuff cold. Um, and then people who in, increasingly do have an audience and a platform because we're really in this together with the people who teach on our site. Um, we, we really do want to work with them and have them be promoting their classes and think of themselves as, as really a partner in the, in the promotion effort because they're the best ambassadors for their classes to their own audience. And then in addition to that, you know, people could be, could be incredibly skilled at what they do, but not know how to articulate that process. And so that people who have teaching experience and know how to break something down into steps and, and talk people through that. I mean, we are showing you on camera, but we also need to give you all of the language around that to, so people can follow along, um, and kind of anticipate where people are going to mess up or maybe what they make isn't going to look as nice on the first try. And yes, because there is no (laughs) live audience, you know, so many of the people that, we work with do teach and an enormous benefit of that is that they have taught so often that they can anticipate those questions and they will know where people are likely to get hung up and, and, um, we can spend some extra love there, you know, devote mm-hmm. some extra love and attention to, to those areas. So, um, you know, so there is no kind of, you know, if you, if you have all of this, you're a shoe in, I mean, it also yeah. depends on, what we're looking for and seasonality. And, um, there's a lot of different, different parts to it. There is always that kind of sweet spot moment when you find somebody who kind of has a little bit of everything you're looking for. And it kind of, it just, it gives me chills. It's like, Oh, they're perfect. You know? Um, so do you, do you want people who, for example, um, have some video experience, you know, some experience, not just as a teacher, but as, you know, in front of a camera, like, is that a plus for you? Like maybe you've you know, got a great YouTube channel or something like that. Um, it's, it's really not 
necessary. Um, I mean, it's, it's great and it speed things, speeds things along in production. If people are comfortable in front of a camera and, and don't freeze up. But, um, but I mean, we really think that's, that's our job to make them relaxed and make people feel comfortable. So that is not something that we are looking for necessarily is a video experience. Um, we spend a lot of time, as I mentioned, you know, getting people ready for the shoot and then, but no matter how, how prepped you are, you just, you can't, um, you can't kind of practice for that moment when all of a sudden you're there and there's a camera crew in front of you mm-hmm. and lights are on and you're mic'd and, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it takes time to, to warm up and feel comfortable, but that's, um, that's something that we really like, we, I mean, we take all aspects of our jobs very seriously, but that's one that, um, that I'm particularly proud of. I think that people have a really, <clears throat> people have a, have a really good, um, generally experienced sh- filming with us. Um, because we've all done it ourselves. Yeah. I'm just going to say, Kelly, you have a, a class on a few classes on creating, um, some different kinds of party decorations and a class on weaving with children. And Liana, you have, as we mentioned earlier, this new class on, um, on creating leather handbags. So I just wonder like, having those experiences yourself of being on the other side in front of the camera, um, do you feel like that sort of helps you to get in the shoes of the instructors when they come, especially like a new instructor filming a class for the first time? Oh yeah. That, that made me a lot more compassionate. (laughs) Yeah. I'm guessing. Um, and I was doing this, I mean, I think it was about nine months before I, I filmed that first class and you know, for those first nine months, I kept saying, oh, yeah, I know the intro is hard, <laughs> you know, but I didn't really know what I was talking about. <laughs> In theory. In yeah, theory. you know, it's so funny because I, I used to be a middle school teacher and I would sit before I had children and I'd sit in these conferences and um, parents would come in, you know, middle school, eighth grade kids or whatever. And, um, and the parents would be in tears, you know, about, about their kids. And I would always sort of look at them like, what's their problem? You know, (laughs) and now I have three kids and I have such a totally different, like I would give them advice and I'm like, who was I talking then? Like, that's crazy. Uh, Like, who are you talking to me? (laughs) Uh, Exactly. I'm sure they were thinking that, but, um, but yeah, it really does help to, to be in the shoes of, of the person who you're asking to, um, to do this. And so you really know what that nervousness feels like. And yeah, I think that's a great idea to have, have shot some classes yourself. So, um, so are the, are the creative bug classes meant for people who have a lot of artistic skill coming in or are they meant for sort of novice crafters or is there a mix? It's definitely a mix. Um, we are a subscription model, so it's a it's a pay one price um, every month, and which is nine ninety five, and you have access to all of the classes on our site, which at this point is four hundred and rising every week. We re- we release two classes every week, um, and so it's really and and that's across all kinds of categories. I mean, sewing, knitting, crochet, art, um, drawing, printmaking. Um, the list goes on and on. So it's, we definitely, you can see, it's really fascinating to see how different people and talk to people using the site because some people come for one designer. They want to take Natalie Channon's classes and they come and they take all of those. Um, but other people come in. I mean, the great, the, the great thing about a subscription model is you could come in because you, you love sewing, but then because you do have access to all of these classes, you can, um, kind of, you know, flirt with something else and go take a knitting class or, um, a drawing class with Lisa Congdon. So, um, so it's for, it's, it's really a mix. And, and part of what we, what we pride ourselves on is really encouraging people, showing them that they can do this. They can get the same results as they see. Um, and so that's, that's really important, especially for people who, um, who do want to access more of their creativity and, and just spend time making something by hand. I mean, it's so satisfying. And for me, when I do it personally, so much of it is more about how I'm spending my time in that process than what I actually end up with. Um, but it's intimidating if you don't have that background or you don't have, you know, for whatever reason, you just don't feel like you can do it. And so, 
Um, we do have a lot of classes for people who are new, and then we have classes for people um, that are that are more advanced for sure. And mm-hmm. how and how, um, how long are each cl- like how long is each class? How many it, hours? Yeah, it really depends on the complexity of the project because most of the classes are based around a particular project, and so. Um, in Leanna's leather bag class, you're going to learn how to pick out leather. You're going to learn what you need to um, do to your machine to sew with leather on a home sewing machine. Um, so it depends on how how complicated the projects are, but the average is about 45 minutes. So we have ones that are shorter than that, um, and then we have longer multi-part classes that are longer than that. But I think there's nothing on our site that's longer than a couple hours. I think Cal's pattern drafting class is probably six hours total. In total. Yeah. Yeah. That's a four part course. And we have some upholstery classes with Amanda Mm -hmm. Brown of Spruce that, um, where she's actually constructing a headboard. Oh yes. So we have some, um, some things if people really want to spend the time and sink into Mm -hmm. a project, we've got, we've got those, but we was all, we've also got, um, Lisa Congdon's line drawing class, which is much more kind of sit down and, and, draw along with her and kind of doodle something. And you can do that. Um, you know, you don't need a whole weekend or a month to, to finish that. You can just do that in the, like any kind of small moment that you can find. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like the subscription model really sets creative bug apart from some of the other online video classes in the crafting space? Or are there other things that set creative bug apart from, you know, sort of what else is already out there? Yes, definitely. I I think the subscription model is certainly um, high up there. Um, And I know, and research that we see, you know, people are are crossing over between different kinds of um, crafts that they do more and more. Um, And then in addition, really, our our shooting style, I mean, the, the kind of look and feel of our videos is, um, is something that is a big differentiator for us. Um, and part of that is we really love to tell the story of the people that we work with and the people who teach on our site. So in addition to just the straight classes, we do, um, these shorter biographical pieces on their story and how they came to be doing what they're doing and how they spend their days. And, um, we have a really, really creative crew here on the, the, the mix of editorial and production side. And so we're always trying to find new ways to insert these kinds of, um, of just, you know, things that are less step-by-step instruction based and are just more inspirational because that's something, I mean, we are our audience here. We like to say there are so many of us here. I mean, from Jean, Jean starting it. I mean, she started it for someone exactly like herself. And so there's so many of us here who, um, who we are the, I, the prime, you know, the, the exact target demographic. Yeah. And, and so we know personally how much, we love, you know, it's a real connection with people to tell their story and, um, and, and validate what people are doing in a way. And everyone wants to know that. I mean, this is such a, it's an emotional thing that we're all doing. It's how you're choosing to spend your time and your extra money. And so much of what we make, we give to other people. And, um, and so telling the story of the people who are on our site is, um, is something that's really important to us. And is amazing. I mean, when I, so I, you know, I, I interview a lot of different people for this podcast and, um, and I also write a lot of, about a lot of different people just for my blog. And sometimes I'm just curious about people just for myself. And one of the things I always do is go to creative bug and see, you know, if they've shot a class, can I watch their promo? Like, you know, their little personal biography video. Um, because if there's one there, I feel like, you know, in, in a minute and, you know, 60 a minute and 30 seconds or whatever, I will know who this person is. I like before I had Melanie on the show, um, I watched her video because, you know, you see their face, you see them in their house, you see them walking in their garden and talking, reflecting about, you know, why they think what they do is important, why it's important to them. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I know who I'm talking to 
now. I know who I'm writing about. I know when I buy this product who it's from. Um, and like Rebecca Rinquist, I've, you know, purchased many of her embroidery samplers and I, you know, totally went on Creative Bug to watch her profile video. So I would know who it was I was talking, you know, I was buying things from. So I think those are, I mean, to me, they should win an award. They're, they're just awesome. <laughs> Thank you, you, Abby. That means a lot. (laughs) What's funny is when we had um, a symposium recently where we had, um, we invited all of our artists to come out and be in the same room together because we had actually never done that before. And um, since I had only been here for a year, there were a lot of people I had never met. And so I made a point to go through the RSVP list and watch the trailers for all of the people that I didn't know so I could get to know them a little bit before they came. <laughs> and it was actually very handy. It's so yeah. handy. Like, thank you. Cause it is the most handy thing. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. So I think that has done that in and of itself, you know, has done just a tremendous service to, to the, the craft online craft community for sure. Um, so I wanted to talk just a little bit about kind of business for a second, if we could, um, I know creative bug has been bought and sold twice since uh, its inception. First, in uh, 2013, Demand Media bought Creative Bug, and that is the same company that owns eHow. Um, and then earlier this year, Demand sold Creative Bug to um, AT&T and the Chernin Group. Um, and I just wondered how, if at all, those sort of buy, the buying and the selling affects the day-to-day operations of the business at all. Um, it, well, speaking on the side of the business that Liana and I are on, on, on editorial and production, it, it, um, it, it doesn't affect the day to day. What it has helped with is providing more information about, um, you know, access to people who think differently than we do and very analytically about, um, and, and pulling data and helping us, you know, Liana and I are making requests for, Hey, we'd love to see, you know, how people are interacting with the videos and using them and, um, and so it's it's really to support what we're doing on our side and um, and on the business side certainly it's it's um, there's it's it's uh, I think it's more of a of a difference but again it's it's really it's because it's access to resources um, when we when the Chernin Group and AT and T bought us we were able to hire developers we had had developers who were in LA and a, a marketing team that was in LA where demand was. And, um, with AT&T and Chernin, we were able to hire developers that sit, you know, I'm six feet away from them and, (laughs) um, and a marketing team. And so having everything under the same roof has been, um, enormously helpful for all of us. They're just so many small, small things, but they are so important. And if, you know, someone who is developing something or working on a, a new class page, um, you know, just has a question and they shout it up to, to me or Leanna or anyone, um, you know, there's just, there's just the proximity to every, everyone working alongside each other, you know, no matter whether you're on the developer side or the, the business side or the editorial side, um, having everyone in, in under the same roof and kind of, so everything is originating out of this culture because, um, I mean, I know we can't give people a tour of our studio here, but, uh, it's, I mean, it's a very creative, wide open space. A lot of the things that we create for sets, um, find their way into, into, um, into the studio and the offices around here. And it just, it feels very much like us. It feels, it feels, um, like creative bug. And so it's been, it's been great to have, um, to have some more resources and have everybody, um, working alongside each other here. It's very different when a developer can look you in the eye when you're saying this thing is broken, we need to fix it. And they, um, they see the pain in your face and know how important (laughs) it is to fix it. Um, yeah, totally. So, so do you, um, or just someone, maybe not you, but, um, really look at kind of, well, I mean, I guess it's a little bit tricky because of you don't, but having customers purchase individual classes. So I was going to ask whether, you know, you look at sales numbers for individual classes to sort of help you figure out what to get next, like what class to, to produce next, but you can't 
necessarily do that since you do have the subscription model, although I guess you can look at download numbers for particular classes or, or maybe even the length that people stick around on a particular class and watch from start to finish or just watch the first two minutes or whatever. So I just wonder, you know, are you looking at that kind of statistics when you're thinking about and planning for the, the coming year's worth of classes? Yes, we're looking at that all the time and, and more and more um, because uh, initially, I mean, that was Liana and myself just sort of manually looking at the classes that people are, you know, where page views for different classes. And, um, and I mean, we pay very, very close attention to that. Um, and now we have some more people who are able to help us with that and, and um, set up ways just to, to collect more of the data that we want, really, to figure out what people are watching and how they're watching it, um, what they're watching next. Yes. What they're watching next, what brought them here in the first place, all of that, all of that we pay very close attention to. Um, and it's, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating to see what people, um, I mean, you mentioned Rebecca Rehnquist, you know, that's a class that ever since it launched has performed really well on the site. Sewing is a very strong category for us. Um, sewing clothes, especially garment sewing, um, I think that has to do with, I think, both the the maturing of the sewing audience as well as the caliber of the instructors we have in that category. Um, we have terrific instructors in the sewing and garment sewing category. Um, so, uh, yes, we look at that all the time to figure out what we're doing well and so what we want to do more of as well as okay, well, we, we have, you know, this is proving to be very popular. Where What would those people want next? Um, and, and where are holes, you know, what are people looking for online or what are we seeing out there in the world that we don't have to go, to go bring that onto the site? Yeah. That sounds like a a fun job to try to figure out. I mean, it's impossible to totally predict the future, but to think about like where, where where the trends are happening, where the holes are. Um, that's awesome. That seems really interesting. Yeah, I, it's a real mix, I would say, of, of you know, instinct and what we're looking at, um, what Leanna and I see out in the world, and, and Courtney Cerruti, who works with us um, on, the, on the editorial and production side, um, as well as data. Yeah, and so it's a, it's a mix of both, you know. I mean, you can't pay too much attention. We pay a lot of attention to both, but neither one can you pay, you know, you can't ignore either of those. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's nice, too, because you can, um, you know, the way that we shoot and then edit and release the glasses, we really can be just ahead of the curve. Yeah. And, you know, so if we see a trend coming and we're like, oh, my God, we have to have this. And, you know, we could conceivably find somebody and shoot it and get it out there pretty quickly. It's not. How fast, a- how fast would that be? Like if you, if you, if tomorrow, well, maybe not tomorrow, but, you know, soon you were to find something like that. Um, what, what, what does that schedule look like? Depends on how desperate we are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're doing it, we, we do things internally, as we've mentioned, with, um, with any one of us teaching. So that can be very fast because we're so used to the, the pre-production side of things in development. Um, I mean, we could really hustle and turn something around in you know, a month, but that would make all of us kind of really mm-hmm. cranky and uncomfortable. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a generally like a, a two to three month minimum turnaround. Um, and most of that is, as I mentioned before, is really squaring away the projects and what we're going to cover before people come to film. Mm -hmm. But so much, so much faster than print publishing for sure. Oh Oh, my God. I mean, that was the thing with acquiring books is you would acquire a book and say, I hope this is still relevant in two years. Right. how long it's going to take. Yeah. And so I think, you know, before the internet, that bet was pretty high. You know, like if you found a book and it was sort of on a trendy topic and it took two years from start to finish, you know, mm-hmm. things sort of moved at a slower pace because people right. weren't able to communicate so quickly and sort of follow trends so well. And you were looking in magazines and magazines are also six months out. So, but now, you know, things do really move so fast and everybody can see everything all the time. Um, and so the being so nimble, it, it really is a huge advantage, I feel. Nimble yes. is the exact word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that I think that's really important. So um, so I, I know you t- described your studio as being kind of a big space. Um, the developers are right there now, which is great. So I just wanted to touch back on that. What what is your offices like what what does it look like where you are right now? 
We are in San Francisco. We're in an old brick brandy distillery in um, in the Potrero sort of design district part of San Francisco that um, has changed enormously. It used to be, um, and still is to a large extent, a lot of to the trade showrooms and you know whole stores storefronts devoted to just tile or just sinks. Um, yes, mm-hmm. and now it's really. Um, I mean, we have we have Airbnb down the street and Adobe down the street and Pinterest trying to move in. So it's really a part of town that is where a lot of um, techno- the intersection of technology and creativity. So it's a great spot to be. And our, our building's um, full of character. It's freezing. We have no heat <laughs> air conditioning. So we are bundled up right now talking to you. Um, but then we have a studio here, uh, the studio that we actually film in. And we do most of our filming here. We do travel for some shoots, but mostly we fly people to San Francisco and um, and film here. And then we have the spaces broken into a couple different areas. So we have some office space, and um, but it's mostly wide open. You know, there's no, this is not cube land at all. It's very open and bright and colorful and dogs underfoot. And <laughs> um, yeah, people do ask me all the time if we, um, fly out and shoot in other people's studios or, you know, how many studios we have. And it's funny cause it really is just the set design. Um, uh-huh. Courtney Saruti is our, is our set designer and she, you know, switches up the wall that we shoot on. And she, she used to work at anthropology during windows and every, I mean, pretty much every week you look in there and it's a completely different room. That is so really, cool. <laughs> cool. She, she designed sets specifically for everybody who comes in here and it's like, Ooh, magic. Wow. Like, so yeah. that is really neat. I did not realize that, but now that you say that, I'm going to go back and look through the videos and see if I can see all the different sets. That's cool. And it's great to see people's reaction when they come in to film because Courtney will spend time <laughs> on their blog or on their Pinterest boards and, and really mm-hmm. pulls together a set that feels that like them that reflects who they are and, and, you know, their palette and everything. Yeah. She's uh she works wonders. Okay. That rocks. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So what do you think is the future of sort of video instruction? Like where is this heading? Cause I feel like, um, as time has gone by since I started, you know, blogging in 2005, um, video has just increasingly become important, become exciting, become almost the focus to a certain degree. And I just wonder sort of you project into the future where, you know, where do you see this field going like in the next five years? What, what's going to happen next? Hmm. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that I mean, we, there's so much more video out in the world and I feel it's really sort of like what happened with photography and blogs where, um, the, the level of photography on all of these DIY blogs has just become so high caliber Yeah, and you can see, you know, you definitely, that's starting to happen. Um, I think that's coming with video as the equipment becomes, um, cheaper and, um, it just becomes more accessible. And so, uh, for, I mean, for us, I, I, and I think back to the point of us, you know, those of us here, really many of us being our own audiences. Um, I mean, I think the future is, well, I mean, look, who, <laughs> there's so much, I mean, there's endless conferences and discussions and panels on paid versus free content and, and, and all of that. And so that's, um, it's really fascinating to be right sitting in the, in the, in the dead center of that and, and, um, seeing how that's going to evolve. So there's a lot of questions there, but I really think that, um, you know, people are, people are going to be seeking out quality content and they are more and more, you know, it's, um, YouTube is fantastic and there's so much that you can learn and, um, there's some great stuff out there, but there's also just so much that you have to wade through and, um, and find the time to just kind of sort through all of that stuff. And so, um, so I, you know, I really believe that, we believe we're, we're, we're a premium subscription service and we're bringing people really high quality content with, um, with real expert designers and people who are so well known and respected in their fields. And, um, and I think that, you know, that's what we're all trying to, to figure out, but that's what we're all hanging on our hat that people are going to, are going to pay for and are going to, to value as there's just so much more lesser quality content out there. 
Yeah, that's a really, really good point, right? Like you, you can bet if you watch a creative bug class on the quality of that class, on the quality of the teacher, on the, the beauty of the video, on the, you know, not, but not just the beauty, but also the instructional quality of the video, right? So you, there is no wading through. It's like a curated selection of the best and that's worth paying for. I mean, I should hope it's worth paying for. Um, it's, it's the same reason we pay money to, to read the New Yorker, you know, it's right. like, there's a certain quality of writing and reporting and, you know, you're just like, that's worth it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's a great point. Really good point. So I want um, to go, go through our lists a little bit, um, just because we have a couple of really good things on our list and I want to make sure we get to them. So, um, Leanna, we're going to start with you and I, I wanted to, um, to do the one you talked about, about Instagram, sort of people on Instagram who do these sort of personal challenges. And I, I love those challenges too. I've always sort of always wanted to do one, but then I'm like, oh, am I going to get, you know, I, I, once I commit, I have to complete it. So I'm like, by August, am I still going to want to be doing this? And I love people who do it. So you mentioned one that I follow too, which is August Wren. Yes. She's, I, I just started following her a couple months ago. Um, she and, and Courtney Cerruti, um, who I've mentioned here, um, were Instagram friends. And then I think Courtney tagged me in a post with her because all three of us were painting on the same night and I posted pictures and said something like, Hey, all three of us are, are painting tonight. And then she and I started following each other. And it's funny when you have this kind of authentic engagement with people, you know, like you're not just, a voyeur, you're actually engaging with them. And that's when I saw she was doing this challenge. She's um, doing a painting a day um, for, I think, 30 minutes a day she spends painting. And it that kind of thing is where I just think it's so cool because you can watch somebody grow. Yeah. You can really watch them develop. And it's um, something that they've decided they're passionate about. They're not faking it, you know, and and they're really doing it for themselves. But Instagram is like this great, um, group of cheerleaders, you know, it really kind of keeps you floating. And, um, you know, when you put something up on Instagram, you're very vulnerable. It's like, Oh God, how many likes am I going to get? You know, your inner preteen comes out. Um, (laughs) and also if you're painting something every day, you know, look, you're going to have an off day, right? Like you're going to paint something one day and be like, listen, I really only have 30 minutes to do this today. I can't, you know, fake it and spend an hour and fix it or start over, you know, because I have to go somewhere or I'm sick or whatever. And so you, but you have to put it up. So you put it up anyway, even if it's not the best thing, which is even more vulnerable. I know. And then you have a benchmark too, because you can say, well, you know, my feathers last week got 500 likes, but this one only got 200. (laughs) And of course, 200 in my world is like amazing, but you know, it's all about, um, you know, comparing yourself to, to other things. But it's, um, I think, I think that people who kind of remove the ego and just, go for it. And they're really doing it for themselves in an authentic way. I, I love watching those people. And there's a few of them. Um, Jen Hewitt is, has been doing one with, um, fabric design. She does, she does block printing and I think she's doing one a week. Yeah. I follow uh, her. I follow hers as well. And, um, and her work is gorgeous too. And every week I'm like, I love this one. And then the next week I'm like, I love this one more than the other one. I love them all. So yeah, I, she's awesome. And you can see her like learning from herself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the sort of just discussion and, you know, that people write in the comments, like, you know, this one, it didn't work out that well with this part, but I like this other part. It's great. It's, it's all of us learn from those, you know. Right. And it's a great way to get feedback. Yeah. Uh, as long as your ego can handle it. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you don't want it to, I, I never want to hear somebody like had to go to therapy because of the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> like crush their artistic drive. That would be terrible. Um, I don't want to yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, I, I, my biggest fear, like I said, is that I would just kind of, you know, fizzle or something or just sort of hate it, you know, at a certain point because I had committed and I, I would hate either of those things, either to, to fizzle or to sort of find myself hating it. So, um, right. but I still would love to do it. So I'm thinking about it, but, uh, <laughs> all right. And Kelly, uh, we, you, I wanted to, um, to touch on an audible book you're listening to, uh, on your walk home. And I love audible and I listen to lots of books there and yours, your pick was East of Eden. 
Yes. I'm, I read it such a long time ago and loved it and have carried that love with me for so many years. But, um, I, I actually just was talking to someone who's going to be on our site very soon. Um, and she was suggesting it to listen to as an audio book. And, um, and I love it. It's just so, so much depends on the narrator for me. And I know for so many of us, um, And it's, I just, I love at the end of the day, I take a kind of long walk home to a train and, um, and look forward to just like putting, putting in my earbuds and, and listening to a book. Um, and audible is, is, uh, it's kind of a model for us. Actually, there's so many of us here who listen to it, but also in a, in a, from a business perspective because of their model. Um, so that's, that's, we're always sort of checking out what their new features are and stuff, but, um, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. have they have that a subscription. I have a subscription to Audible, um, yeah. and I love it too for my kids because we listen to audiobooks on car trips, um, and it's great because I I feel like well I've already got my you know paid for month so I can just get whatever I want. Um, exactly, and I I will let you in on a secret here, Abby. You're gonna you're the first person I think we've told this to, but um, like Audible where you get credits and you can you know you you can rack up credits for books. We are adding a new feature to the site. Um, this in, in January, this month that is, will allow people to bank a class, their favorite class. So, um, every month that you subscribe, you'll be able to pick your favorite class and keep it forever. So that's something that we're really excited about. And, um, and something that we were, were inspired by Audible's model. Oh, that's cool. That's really, really cool. So can you do that on Audible as well, where you get to keep, I guess you do, you get to have it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Right. I didn't think about it that way. There's so much to think about with subscriptions, um, but that's really neat. So you get to then own like that class forever. So uh, for each month that you subscribe, you'll be able to, to keep one of your favorite classes. Yep. So if you subscribe for 400 months, (laughs) (laughs) you get them all. That's awesome. And I, I also am super impressed that you're adding two classes a week. I mean, wow. Like that schedule is really breakneck. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it, 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 you're telling us. <laughs> <laughs> Go, you guys. That's a lot. That is a lot, but that's great. So, um, well, Leanna and Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Walsh and Ups podcast. I really enjoyed talking to both of you. Oh, likewise. It's so good to talk with you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you, Abby. Absolutely. And you've been listening to the Walsh and Ups podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg, and I invite you to visit my blog, WalshyNaps.com, where you'll find helpful information for creative entrepreneurs, as well as tutorials and patterns for making stuffed animals and dolls. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.